the kingdom of God. That's a biblical concept which is very important and also extremely confusing. Let me illustrate the confusion with a couple of questions. Question number one, is the kingdom of God something that's inside of us or is it something which is outside of us? I ask that question because in Luke chapter 17, Jesus explicitly says, the kingdom of God is within you. But then in John chapter 18, he seems to contradict himself by saying, my kingdom is not of this world. Very confusing. Question number two, is the kingdom of God something that we can experience now, right here on this earth? Or is it something that we can only experience in the hereafter? The answer to that question is not immediately obvious from the writings of the Bible. Because in Matthew chapter 10, Jesus tells us, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. As if it's something we can actually experience right now. But then in Matthew 25, in the scene of the Last Judgment, Jesus says to those who are saved, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world, as if the kingdom is something totally different from what we experience here on earth. Very confusing. But in spite of all the confusion, this is a biblical concept, a biblical idea that we need to try to understand. Because according to Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God, whatever it is, is extremely important. We also need to understand what the kingdom is because our little friends who come to the door, the Jehovah's Witnesses, love to talk about the kingdom because it can be so confusing and I think they want to confuse Catholics and this is an easy way to do it. We know that the kingdom was extremely important to Jesus because he preached about it all the time. He wouldn't have done that if he didn't want us to take it seriously. Believe it or not, in just the four canonical Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that expression, the kingdom of God, or its alternate, the kingdom of heaven, is used about 50 times. That's a lot. I know that because I did a little count the other day. I might have missed a few. That's why I said around 50. In today's Gospel alone, Jesus mentions it three times using three analogies to try to drive home his message. My purpose in my homily this morning is to give you one key, simple insight that can help you to make sense of it all. It can help you to make sense of this Gospel reading we just heard from Matthew 13. It can help you to make sense of every other passage in the New Testament where the Kingdom of God is mentioned, including the ones that seem to contradict each other. The insight, not surprisingly, comes from our Pope, our Holy Father, Pope Benedict XVI, and it can be found in chapter 3 of his new book, Jesus of Nazareth. I'll paraphrase it in this way, which should be pretty easy to remember. According to the Holy Father, the Kingdom of God is present wherever and whenever 
Jesus Christ is enthroned as Lord. The kingdom of God is present, in other words, wherever and wherever Jesus Christ rules. Wherever he's in charge, whenever he's in charge, the kingdom of God is there. Think back now to those questions I posed at the beginning of the homily. Question one, is the kingdom of God something that's inside of us, or is it something outside of us? Pope Benedict would say, it's not either or. Both of those things can be true. The kingdom of God can be inside of us and outside of us at the same time, which is precisely why Jesus said, the kingdom of God is within you, in Luke, and then in John, he said, my kingdom is not of this world. You see, whenever Jesus Christ is ruling our inner thoughts and attitudes, the kingdom of God is present. Whenever we decide, for example, by the grace of God, to forgive somebody else, whenever we decide to be patient with somebody, and hopefully we do decide that every now and again, whenever we decide to be compassionate, whenever we make the choice for purity, Whenever we say no to sin and yes to what's right, the kingdom of God is, in a very real sense, present within us. You know what? That's what I love about the Steubenville conferences for teenagers, because you can see the kingdom welling up inside these teens. Some of them get convicted of their sins, go to confession. I heard confessions for two and a half hours yesterday, straight. Uh, and when I was under that tent, it's a huge tent, bigger than this church, hearing those confessions, there were at least 20 other priests, and none of us had a break. That's beautiful, to see young people allow the kingdom to grow, to be born within them in that particular way. But of course, you see, none of us is perfect. So even though the kingdom is present within us, whenever we resist sin and repent and practice virtue, it's never going to be fully present within us, or outside of us for that matter, as long as we're here in this world. It's never going to be fully present. That's why Jesus' second statement, my kingdom is not of this world, is also true. The fullness of the kingdom of God is only going to be experienced in heaven. Because that's the place where Jesus Christ rules completely. There's no dissent in heaven, no disobedience, there's no sin there. Jesus is truly Lord of all that happens. He's the Lord of everyone who's there. The complete Lord of everyone who's there. So is the kingdom something we can experience now on this earth? Or is it something we can only experience after we die? That was the second question, and once again, Pope Benedict would say to us, it's not either or, it's both and. Because of the nature of the kingdom, both of those things can be true. Whenever we make Jesus the Lord of a particular situation in our lives and do what he wants us to do, we experience a little bit of the kingdom, whether we realize it or not, right here, right now. But once again, the fullness of that kingdom is only going to become a reality for us in heaven, where there's no sin and no death, and where Jesus Christ is Lord completely. 
Let me conclude by simply saying that all of this is implied in that simple phrase of the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come. It's all there. When we say, Thy Kingdom Come, what are we really saying? We're saying, Lord, may your kingdom come into me. May it be present inside of me, in my thoughts, in my heart. May it be present outside of me, in my words, the words that come out of me, in my actions of love and service. We're saying, help me, Lord, through my attitudes and choices to experience your kingdom right now to the extent that I can and prepare me for that glorious moment when I will experience the fullness of your kingdom in heaven. See, with those three little words, thy kingdom come, we're implying all of that stuff. Let's try to keep that in mind when we pray the Our Father later at this Mass. And whenever we pray it, publicly or privately, in the future.